Welcome back to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. I'm your host, Ambreen Khan. We just heard the story of Devi Parvati's journey into the ashram in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, and then to Rochester, New York. In researching this story, I found a 1973 article in the New York Times Digital Archives. It was describing the ashram, Swami Lakshmi Devi, and a typical day at a retreat which attracted Americans curious about yoga, gurus, and New Age spirituality. In the 1980s, the focus of the ashram began to shift to meet the needs of a growing community of immigrant families from South Asia, looking for both Hindu culture and community. To put the ashram's evolution into context and learn a little bit more about camping, I spoke to religion professor and researcher Dr. Shauna Sippy. The very earliest camps were created in the late 1800s, really a way for young boys to experience nature and leave the city, and it was during the rise of industrialization. Camps grew as a phenomenon throughout the early 20th century. The American Camp Association was founded in 1910, and religious camps emerged in large numbers in the 1920s and 30s. Minorities and immigrant groups began to create their own camps in the 20s and 30s as a way to create more immersive environments and to allow for the transmission of culture. We don't actually see the rise of anything that we could call Hindu camping until the mid to late 1980s and really not until the 1990s. Dr. Sippy is an assistant professor of religion at Center College in Danville, Kentucky, and she also co-directs Religions Minnesota. From her research, she estimates that 14,000 kids attended some form of Hindu summer camp, but clarifies it's a mix of programs. The designation Hindu camping refers to a broad range of phenomenon from one to four week, you know, overnight camps or summer long day camps or one week uh, day camps or retreats. So when I say 14,000, I'm talking about all those different things. She also points out that camps have different affiliations. Most Hindu camps began and still are day camps. So the vast majority of them are are by no means um, overnight camps in the ways that we might uh, we might think about them. And the thing to sort of understand about Hindu camps is that they have been very small scale for the most part, connected to a local mandir, a local Hindu temple. But in other cases, they have been connected to larger global Hindu umbrella organizations that have transnational connections and agendas and ties. Dr. Sippy's interest in the formation of identity will be detailed in a forthcoming book to be published by New York University Press, Diasporic Desires, Making Hindus and the Cultivation of Longing. It will include research on the powerful role camps and weekend schools have in transmitting identity and the impact that has more broadly on our culture. She explains what draws her to this area of work. For me, one of the things that's most interesting about studying this and thinking about this is that people somehow come to understand themselves and their place in the world, right? What we often call identity. And and many people have heard the concept of intersectionality, that none of us can be defined by a single thing, like race, religion, gender, sexuality. But there's aspects of people's identity that can be particularly powerful, right? Communities and contexts in which they feel at home, as though they belong. And a sense of belonging is a really powerful and sometimes uh, a very beautiful thing. 
But the very things that make us connect with some people and not with others, make us feel love and affinities are often the same things that divide us from other people. So if I'm connected to these people, then I'm not those people. And my interest in camps and and what I think happens in camps and what's distinctive about them is that they're part of sort of a larger process that helps us think about how people and you know children are both made passively into the subjects that they are made into the people who identify in particular ways um, and how we're made passively by the environments that we're put in but also how children and adults are actively making themselves and others and camps are really one of those sites where you go in and you have a connection and so even even non-religious camps and non-cultural camps have their own culture, right? They have special songs, they have special cheers. You know, you come back, you wear that you have special t-shirts, you play games, you you have this sense of camaraderie that's developed. And that's part of what camp, you know, has traditionally done. It sort of makes this kind of a sort of internal culture where people start to identify with it. And you add culture or religion into the mix, you are then transmitting a whole host of other things. Camp becomes a space and a way where you can control bodies, right? Where you can actually make people do what you want them to do that you can't do if you're seeing them once a week for two hours, right? At at Hindu Sunday school. I think that's a really important thing. I also think that it's worth understanding that from the very beginning, we're always about nature and getting away or, you know, giving children an opportunity to live with other children and play. Um, they've never only been about having fun and playing games. Um, And they've always been places where morals and ideologies and traditions are passed down and also where political agendas are furthered. So camps um, have the ability, though, to do that work differently than we would think about in a normal sort of conventional classroom. I want to make it clear that even when something is very fun, right, it doesn't mean that there aren't morals and messages and ideologies that are being transmitted. Those will develop a new generation of of kids who have a sort of sensibility that's different and a sense of belonging that's different. Dr. Shauna Sippy is an assistant professor of religion at Center College in Danville, Kentucky. She's the author of a forthcoming book, Diasporic Desires, Making Hindus and the Cultivation of Longing by New York University Press. This week's conversations about summer camp brought back memories of my own. And I wonder if you have some experiences and memories that you would like to share. We're going to work on a couple more shows, taking a closer look at the emerging trends happening at faith camps. And I would love to hear your experiences. Send a voice memo on your experience or reflections to Amber at interfaithradio.org. That's amber at interfaithradio.org. Next week on Inspired, we're headed on a road trip. All right, let's go. My name is Sebastian Robbins. And I am Mona Haidar. We're taking this journey on historic Route 66 from Chicago to Los Angeles. Route 66 is so emblematic of classic Americana. 
For us, it was just a way to tell a real human story about Muslims in America. We're meeting interesting and unusual people in interesting and unusual places, and that they also happen to be Muslim. Muslims are part of America. So we were finding the Muslim story everywhere. A tornado has touched Joplin, Missouri, when that terrible tornado came through. A huge number of the doctors are Muslim and hearing stories of heroism. And in the 1800s, the Arizona part of Route 66 was surveyed by a Muslim. So the American story is the Muslim story. Through this journey, people can learn that Islam is the religion of a million colors and of two billion people. When we tell good, authentic stories, it can heal us, can give us hope to say there's a bigger picture here about Muslims in America. On the next episode of Inspired, I talk with Alex Cronomer, director of the Great Muslim American Road Trip, airing now on PBS. It's a real couple taking a real trip, and everything you imagine that to be happens. And we're inviting an audience to be, in essence, in the backseat of a car with these two people for 3,000 miles. That's all for this week's show. If you missed any part, you can stream it online at interfaithradio.org. While you're there, you can also learn about us, read the show notes, sign up for our newsletter, and explore the archives. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or really the podcaster of your choice. Just search Interfaith Voices. And while you're there, help us out. Leave a rating and a review. It helps others find us. A special thanks to MC Yogi for our theme music, additional music by Blue Dot Sessions, and a special thanks to our founder, Maureen Fiedler. This week's episode was produced by Kevin McCarthy. Inspired is a production of Interfaith Voices. We're a nonprofit, and we rely on the generous support of our listeners to bring you this show. I'm your host and executive producer, Umbreen Khan. Remember to stay safe, stay well, and stay connected. I'll see you next week.